I am Quincy Jordan. I am the VP of Agility at Agile Thought. And the topic is, yes, we want to understand the types of problems to solve, and we all want to solve interesting problems. In the same way that we used to jump into the solution and we had to slow down and say, well, wait, we need to identify the right problem to solve. I am now also saying before we identify the right problem to solve, we need to identify the vision that we're looking to fulfill. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Agile for Agilists podcast, the series made by Agile enthusiasts for Agile enthusiasts. And now for your hosts, Drew Podwall and Brad Nelson. Hey, Agilists. As you just heard, we have Quincy Jordan as our guest today, and our topic is on the importance of having a vision that everyone is aligned to. Our vision for this podcast is to have great agile conversations with guest appearances from industry leaders, and we can only do that with your help. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues, and follow or subscribe to our podcast so you can catch future episodes. If you have feedback for us, we want to hear it. There are multiple methods for contacting us available on our site, agileforagilist.com. Now, let's get this episode rolling. I have been thinking for a while, and this has come up several times for me with different clients, where I would go into a client and let's say it's a leadership team, it's their SLT. And in their SLT, I don't know, there's anywhere from seven to 12, maybe 15 at the most people or so. And, you know, we'll talk about the things they're trying to do and what they want to accomplish. And then people are very excited about telling about the problems they want to solve. And I'll ask the question, of what is the vision that you're looking to fulfill? What is that vision that your organization or this part of the organization is looking to fulfill? And I will specifically say, please write the vision down on a sticky note and don't share it with anyone, just write it down. And then everyone puts it up. And even with an SLT, oftentimes they are not aligned on what the vision is. And I always find that to be so interesting because what problems are you looking to solve if you're not aligned on the vision. So chances are you have a lot of people trying to solve different problems for totally different purposes because there is an alignment there. What sort of audience are you having these conversations with? Uh, so senior leadership teams, any number of folks within that leadership, but even at a team level, that can also be important. So one of the other things that I think is important too is especially when when I was more interactive with various teams at a team level in terms of product teams or development teams, I would ask them, okay, I just walked in. We just started talking right before I walked in. The work that you were doing, you were having strokes on the keyboard. Can you tell me what those strokes have to do with, or can you tell me what those strokes tie to in terms of a top line objective, business objective? And oftentimes the answer is no. And so when the answer is no, that generally lets me know you're probably just hands-on keyboards. You probably don't really understand why you're doing what you're doing. You're coding because someone said, we want this feature. But you don't necessarily understand the business objective that is being solved in that process or being achieved, rather. You know, I see that all the time, like especially with OKRs, but definitely right. at the feature level as well. You know, when you talk to somebody about the difference between like a goal or an objective and an outcome and 
try to shift people away from defining the new technology that is now stood up in place to defining what we will be able to do now that we have this technology stood up. I always find that's more of a struggle that I've always expected it to be, that it's really hard for people to step away from the idea of, you know, when you ask them what their vision is, oh, we will now have this API integrated with um, these two systems and, you know, we'll have the scheduling system the up and running publicly traded and uh, we'll have asset because management. Because that absolutely like, right, affects we'll able to do, whether or not right? there's really a vision and that I, I is being sought after more, to be fulfilled or if it is truly, every time a, that I, I have to explain to some be. things to the board and I have to explain some things to the shareholders. And that is the focus. And that makes a very big difference of the type of culture that is being created and, yeah. and, I would and say encouraged that's further uh, exasperated so, by the fact you know, that executives are only in their vision, role for three to six years on average. But sometimes and that so, vision like, can who's responsible for the vision? Who creates the, the vision? And then it's someone not, else's vision. <laughs> or, oh, I'm they need in for a debate, niche so, part of the company where the vision yeah, kind of doesn't make to sense to me. So do they make their own? Do they just do their operations or just a call center? I think it's really easy to just get stuck in this situation where it's not that they don't care. It's just the problem to solve becomes something else because the vision is no longer what it was. It's now, I don't want to say fixed the numbers, but it's now let's paint a certain type of picture um, for, for the market. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's for me, that's why I have such a great appreciation for the leaders that don't let go of that part. Like they really maintain, this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why we started. And this is why we continue. Not that they're boxed in to where they can't be creative, but they're creative in the space that they know they're supposed to be creative in. And like, that's a beautiful thing to me you know, to be able to do that. I almost just feel like it's a sad thing when all of that is crushed into let's paint this perfect picture so that the market likes what we're saying. And the market is important. I am not saying that it's I also not. think that But I don't think the market should it. actually dictate like, If the leaders don't care, then I think the it should people be the don't other care. Way around. I definitely think the there's, have a vision. Um, I feel they like I'm getting really philosophical here, products. but... There's a disparity what able to do in, in America, to too. Like your average individual contributor probably just works where they can get a job. The aspects They're of that market like, that enjoy that I those products die for anymore, at least. inevitably let Not everybody has the opportunity the or the skill or the background to be like, this is the company that I love, this is where I'm going to work. They're like, I'm going to interview five, six, seven, a hundred yeah, companies, and I'm going to take the it is definitely And then if the leadership there don't care about what they're doing, I think it's really easy to get in that whole, I'm just here to collect a paycheck. You know, <laughs> they're I'm just do doing the best stuff I can because to someone said to do my some tasks, stuff. but they're also not super passionate or bought in either. Right.
I've mentioned this story or parts of the story already, but I was at Business Agility 2023 in New York this past mm-hmm. year, and Roche Pharmaceuticals was there, and uh, the head of so their I think that takes it all the way down to the individual level at that point, and at that individual level, uh, was there a discussion around what is the vision for you? What, what is the vision for your life? Was like? What and vision? What he was talking have? about was that or now is it because you, you have, have the ability to, to go up to anybody in the company at any point in time and say, jumping straight what's your into purpose? solving those problems without identifying what is the vision that you need to fulfill personally? So even at an individual level, it's still the same thing. Just when they ask that question, they are able to. State it's the just value a matter that of they provide which level is that and whom and they provide that to and how that connects to the customer segment that they're supporting, which I think is a beautiful thing, right? Everybody is able to now define their, their why and their purpose. And companies often want to skirt past that. Like they don't need to know their purpose or why. They just need to know what we want them to do. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we were taught to do that. Like there's there's a good reason that people think that way. Because for decades and decades and hundreds of years, that has been what it is. I am paying you to move these blocks from here to there. That's it. I don't want to know about you and your family. I don't want to know how things are going with you. <laughs> I don't I don't want to care about you as a human because if I do, then that makes me maybe want to adjust what I'm telling you to do. And then at that point, now that's affecting me and you know and all that type of stuff. You know, th- there's a good reason why people <laughs> see the things yeah, that they do. We taught them right. And, you know, not that to necessarily to speak to you deep into this, but a good portion I mean, hands down, that's what the Industrial Revolution uh, was. Just and, and that, that stuff has really gotten passed on. Night. But we're now, um, as we were talking about the idea of fresh well out of college, we now have many knowledge workers that don't function and operate in the same way that labor workers do. But much of the management strategies or corporate scrum masters so without any industry experience. The and thinking Ken's hypothesis that came out of the was that, well, look, the way that's that they've totally been raised, the way they experience the world, and the way they interact I'll go socially, so far as to say, you know, I that is that not going to work for the generations that are coming that up, being very successful. <laughs> I'm not seeing it that way. <laughs>
Well, so my take on it is is this, and I want to say I think I did like a blog or something about this like a few years ago. But whether or not they'll be well suited to be scrum masters, okay, I think the jury's out on that. I don't know because that's a very specific role. But I think they're very well suited to work in an agile way and to be in line with agile principles. So I'll give an example. I sat there and watched my son and his and his friends play. I forgot what game they were playing, but one of the online games. And I just wanted to see, okay, how, how does this go? And I will tell you, they had almost like a daily scrum without calling it a daily scrum. Like right at the very beginning, they did essentially what was very similar to a daily scrum. Their level of collaboration was very, very high. And I mean, he knows some stuff because I've taught him some stuff, but you know, all his friends don't necessarily know that same stuff that I've taught him. And I could easily see that same level of collaboration that they were doing and working together as a team, protecting each other in the game, giving warnings. Hey, this is about to happen. Hey, someone's behind you or they're coming up, whatever the case. But that level of collaboration, I could easily see that transferring into we're working on a product together. This is a we're very fascinating seeking out a new way me. to do something together. I think about a lot, and especially as things happen in the world where I'm frustrated with how they were working. Maybe certain individuals because I'm and fairly certain shaping if you the take world we live in. And I'm very hopeful set of people for the that next generation. I think there's a joke. I don't think I'm it gone there's a joke. Like, like we're it, just it been two days later generation. and still like, okay, wait, um, so how do you put your back on? The how next you, generation, they seem you know, to be much more like that. Wet might have been with, so um, I want to make sure I guess themselves, but more of just like being in touch. You know, with that, being that human. could have been the case. And you know, easily there's you know, me, but middle I can see that generation high really schoolers that are organizing you know, in that protests way. and because they grew up with like technology things yeah. and marching for climate change and over. I just read something that there is a big uh, that a lot of new generations like are abstaining from things like alcohol. You know, and smoking's not there. And so, like, it just seems like they're a lot healthier of people as a whole. I'm super generalizing here, but it makes me very hopeful. But one of the other things that is really fascinating is if you if you look at some research out there, and I, I forget the exact name of it, but essentially they tried to create an IQ test that wasn't based off of, like, knowledge in the typical sense because knowledge changes over time, like words and vocabulary and stuff. So they tried to create like abstract, like your ability to kind of think and troubleshoot and solve. And the beauty of this is that also you can use it across languages as well, because there's no language in it. And what they've actually found is that it's like exponentially growing through the generations. Like generationally, mm -hmm. people are becoming significantly smarter in abstract thinking. And so I, I think like all of these sure. things are going to affect the future of humanity in a way that I think is going to be beneficial, uh, but I'm sure there'll be new challenges as well. That's one of my motivations for what we do. Like I'm chasing working on any sort of effort sure. that has a direct impact on social good. And, uh, and I haven't really found that yet. But I, I look forward to that. I do want to bring us back, though. So, I, do you do you want to continue going on this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how we're gonna. Well, so let's let's get back to the idea of establishing a vision ahead of defining the problem. I, you know, I think that people probably like. I know for me, when we were talking about this subject, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. 
And, you know, I said to you earlier, I, I often forget to do that in my coaching practice. Like, how do you make sure that that's where you start every time? No, no, no. I'm good. Let's let's we're, we've gone down that rabbit hole. Maybe, maybe that's a different pot. That might be a different podcast. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, so before I'm an agilist, I consider myself to be a vision fulfiller. So that is really very much on the forefront of my mind, uh, much in the same way that, you know, for another person, like Scrum is the very, that's on the forefront of their mind. For me, fulfilling visions is on the forefront of my mind. So I tend to go into almost every situation in my own problem solving techniques. Like the very first thing I try to understand is, what is the vision being fulfilled here? And that is almost in any situation, um, even if it's literally in two seconds that I'm processing that. That's what I do before I jump into the problems to solve. And so because it's on the forefront of my mind, that is one of the very first questions that I get to. Now, it may not always be where I start. It depends on you know where I assess that people are in terms of reading the room, you know that type of thing. Um, you know, because in some instances you can read the room and you can kind of quickly tell, okay, if you ask something that's too challenging, too quick, people are going to close up and like, we're not going to get anywhere um, over the next half a day or, you know, whatever the case. So it's generally one of the first questions that so I, it is my intent have to get more to than that one vision, even if I have to navigate a few other things <laughs> to get there, Like that's what I'm looking for first. Then from there, now I can start deciding on okay, so these are the types of problems that we're looking to solve because these problems align to this vision. And then I have a separate bucket in my mind or on paper, either way, of these are problems that people want to solve, but they actually don't align with the vision. So those things might be very important and maybe they're important for a different vision, but for the one that we're talking about today, that's the out on that. And so that that's pretty much how I keep it forefront of mind and generally ensure that I don't step over it. So I think that I think the short answer is yes, but I think there still needs to be a prevailing vision for the broader company. And the reason that I say it that way is because companies are so expansive now where you have different companies that have multiple CEOs, they have multiple CIOs, multiple, you know, it, it's a different ballgame. It's not just, oh, this company that's here and they have a CEO and then that's the only CEO. And then this is the chain of command. Like this is all that. In those cases, yes, I think there should just be one vision for the most part. But in the other case, I, I think there can be multiple visions. And sometimes I think if I'm an individual contributor, if you have a 
company that is global that has a presence if there isn't a vision or different countries and i'm in one of single vision more not fully level roles or individual contributor role or a less strategic so there's some level of adjustment i may feel like i am not the person but i think in many cases and there isn't one currently or at least not one that i know actually do you have advice for someone in that situation I think how they're executing on those visions, on that vision, does not necessarily lend itself to the customs and cultures of all those different countries, because I think that can make a difference. Now, if the vision comes about as a result of all those different countries and customs, okay, then I think that probably could be the case. Uh, I do. So I have a very simple rule when it comes down to things like this. If you do not have the authority to do something about whatever it is, then you need to just simply go to someone who does. It's as simple as that. So if you're searching for the vision, you don't know what the vision is and you don't have the authority to create one, then go to your manager, whoever you report to. If they can't answer that question, then you go to whoever they report to and you continue to go up the chain till you hit someone that can say, oh, yeah, this is the vision of the company. This is what we're looking to do. Or this is the vision of this particular business unit or whatever the case. But they just simply need to just continue going up the change in authority of who can actually convey that information. I do not suggest that they just make it up on their own. Now, I think a lot of people do that. And I think that's is one of the things that causes a lot of confusion in a lot of companies because we as humans, like if people don't, Tell you know, us why something should be, that, or I'm we don't understand why something should be. We're going to make up a reason as to why something should be. So know, we're going to come up with, okay, you didn't tell me a vision, purpose, set well, this of values, is why I think I should be doing what job description. And then from that point like forward, that becomes their motivation for, for what they're doing it. Occurs. And I, you know, if you have an area really in the company the way that people are embracing OKRs, I think that often companies are not really executing them the right way. They're setting all aside the that like their no objectives aren't really objectives and their no key results are still maybe KPIs. Moving in the same direction. The idea that, they have for instance, in this global hypothetical company you were talking for about, why the overarching arm the that company, sits and coordinates above each of the global regions of the world could have a set of OKRs no that then gets added to within another region. And then from there, that can then be broken down further. <laughs> but I don't see that happening that way. And I also feel like people are still often creating OKRs in a way that that is very much self-serving for their responsibilities, but isn't providing the guardrails or the information enough mm-hmm. to then allow for people who are reporting up right. to be able to then create their own OKRs. I think it just becomes a daisy chain of OKRs that are like misadjusted yeah. by like one degree. Well, it's still KPIs.
Right. Right. Yeah, I, I am a big fan of OKRs as well. I think the industry maturity in the OKR space is equivalent to an eight-year-old. I don't, I don't think, right. You know, I, I think it's, okay, you learn something, you know it works, but you don't really quite know why it works or quite how to use it correctly, but you know enough to know that it works. And so much in the same way that, in my opinion, Agile was maybe 12 years ago or so, um, somewhere around in there. And so I think we're just really early in the maturity of OKRs in the general marketplace. I think as time goes over the next two to five years or so, we're probably going to see that maturity accelerate quite a bit. And the more we move away from some of the command and control that is still present and in some instances should be present, I think, but the more we move away from that being the predominant thing, which is not anymore, then the more we well, get into a space where that was the next question I wanted to ask you do a little is, bit deeper thinking. I found that oftentimes what they're doing and why they're doing talking it. about concepts uh, because like I, OKRs in my opinion, that's part any of the, the concepts, right? OKRs. Like you're not just have an opportunity gonna, okay, where, where they just get roll those off, right? And like, there's things so, that, but, that people just know, get, but then there's other times where they're just OKRs. I want to know what your approach is there. Thinking about to keep leading them and guiding them to objective. Write better vision statements that, or OKRs. Metrics or that you, really is there a point where you're like, like this is good enough for There's right a now, lot more revisit this later. thinking that has to happen. Or is there happen. something else that you? Think? And in some instances, similar to what we were talking about earlier, it's like, look, we don't need, we don't have time for all that thinking. We just need you to get stuff done. Yeah, just get it out the door. <laughs> Right. So let me back up for, because of something you just said, let me back up slightly. Now, I still think OKRs come after the vision. So I, I don't think you can write good OKRs without having a solid vision in place. Let me say effective. They may be well-written, but they <laughs> surely don't align with anything properly if, if you don't know the vision. Now, that being said, everyone's not in the same place on their journey, whether it's their agile journey or where they are on their transformation journey or where they are on their journey to learn how to be effective using OKRs. So everyone's in a different spot. And as a consultant, it is important to be able to ascertain where are they on their journey. Otherwise, you can start, quite frankly, like prescribing a good solution, but for the wrong time in their journey. And so are there times where something is good enough? Yeah, I mean, there's almost like a MVP level of an OKR, you know, in a way, just because that's where they are, you know, at that time. And I have to be able to recognize I'm right at that break. If I push any further, I'm going to completely lose them. And that may take me six months to recover from, three months to recover from, or may never recover from it. You know, and, th and then that person becomes, or that organization becomes, you know, 
that the consultancy that was there that we do two years ago and, you know, things. I do want to kind of talk about so, vision yeah, in a little I, bit more think detail, though, because I feel like it's one of those nebulous that, words that people throw around think a lot, never and everyone thinks that everyone knows what it means or that we're all thinking the same thing. You don't live and so I'm curious if you have you a formula that you use to write a strong vision statement or if you want to know advice or if you have examples just to kind of bring everyone together. What do we mean when we they vision. weren't ready four months ago. Now they are. Now that they are, we can take the next step. But they're not ready for the next step that's 12 months down the road. They're only ready for the next step that's right now. And I think that's perfectly fine. Not only do I not say anything wrong with it, I think it's actually a good thing. Hmm. Sure. So hopefully there's a theme that I'm sharing, which is I like to try to keep things simple. I like to take simple approaches because I think when you can simplify things, it's more effective. It's a little easier for people to follow. It's easier for people to come along with. And we deal with a lot of very complex things. So the simpler we can make things, the better. So in many ways, I think a like a child. Bit. Uh, almost I'm like curious. Wise so, do you think that there's a, a vision? Di- well, that's a very simplistic way. But there's a difference between it, like a slogan and a motto. So, if you, you think start talking externally, about, we tend to think of things like that as the vision. Before, like Nike, you just things do it. Occur, it's a slogan. And, and you're just going so through all of those. Are there a difference steps? in those sorts of things? And are you a fan of the short, like hashtag type visions, or do you think it should be a little bit more lengthy? But you'll get the gist of. Ultimately, this is why we're doing what we are doing. This is who's going to benefit from it. And, you know, all the, all the things that go into that. And it gives that sense of purpose and direction. And this is where we're headed. Does that, does that answer the question? Right. So I think for a vision statement, I think it has to be a little bit more lengthy. Um, I think that something like a just do it, I think it's a slogan. I think the slogan is good. I think it can excite people. And I think it can be the thing that can help people to keep going when they kind of start getting fatigued in what they're doing. Uh, I think it's really good for that. Uh, like similar to I think you're right. You know, whatever yeah, I forget it too. But I, I know at one at game point it was like that. beat Adidas but it, it or something like that, and then knowledge they beat them, and yeah, it, it became more generic for a person to really. Well, grasp I think the distinction when for me is that a motto is for your customers. It is good enough when they have a decision that they made and they know why they're doing what they're and, doing, and a vision is for your employees to guide them. I don't think the slogans the North Star of where you want for a vision in a strong vision. And I know, you know, you reference Nike, and I don't actually remember Nike's vision, but I didn't think that just do it was their vision. I thought that was just their slogan. I thought their vision was something more about 
top performing athletes and, and something else. I, I forgot exactly what it was. Yeah. And if I put you on the spot, is there a vision that comes <laughs> to mind that you think like that was a really solid vision for that time? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think your vision helps your employees to make your models make sense for your customers. And I think your slogans help your employees to as I said, stay encouraged and keep going. And I think it helps your customers to know something about your culture and your values. Um, so not that I remember in terms of like, I don't remember the wording, but so I did some work with Home Depot, um, some years back, uh, and led their transformation, their IT transformation. And I don't remember, you know, their vision word for word um, or anything like that, but I remember thinking, okay, they have a pretty solid vision and like their employees really do seem to kind of get, okay, th this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. So do you guys want and to play so quick I game? thought they were a good example uh, in that regard. Game? I, I think found an article on Forbes from earlier this year with examples. I'm going to give you guys the mission statement. It. But I think and a visionary you guys who has done that who as well, Are you guys who's done, in this? I think, So is a mission and a vision different? Oh, sorry, vision statement. That was the next question. Perspectives on him and so forth. And I'm not saying I'm biggest fan per se. Do we want to, However, do you want to explain that? He has that not seemed to let the all the, the game distractions first? get in the way of the creativity. He seems to really okay. keep to that inspire part there and develop and the, the builders of, of what tomorrow. they're doing and uh, his visions, I guess, you know, in that case, but those would be two, you know, two examples that, uh, that just kind of come. I'll give you a hint. Their uh, personas yeah. are aged, uh, three to five, seven sure. to 12. Lego. And, <laughs> Is it Lego? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, these are missions, not visions. So, um, what about spread ideas, foster community, and create impact? Yeah, I was thinking like TED or social and media. Yes. TED. And yes, they are. <laughs> Point to Brad. How about- um, I've watched a lot of TED. <laughs> me too. To <laughs> inspire, educate, and outfit for a lifetime of outdoor adventure and stewardship. Maybe Home Depot, but they're, they don't really necessarily target. Just I'm going to give it to you. They really REI. Yeah. Oh, I would not have gotten that one. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Legos. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. So here's one that, that stands out to me that I don't agree with. Do you remember the scene? Know, it sounds like social have, media. Have you ever seen Boogie Nights? Yeah. It's been a minute. Okay. So he's opening up a hardware store and he's taking his friends through the hardware <laughs> store and he, and he, you know, it, it, there's nothing there yet. And he points to an open spot. And he says, this is where the customers are going to buy their, their spare keys. And yeah, I, the I just remember being a kid Starts when I watched that R. and I was like, wow, how does he know that that's the spot that the customers that. like, you're making an assumption that yeah, that's, that's the spot based yeah. on your own internal yeah. need. And so this is an example of that. I think yeah, I just, so, I was, I'm a very uh, visual essential thinker, to our so customers, I was trying but, to spell it out <laughs> in my mind, and I knew it was yeah, different than, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe I wasn't a kid. I was probably 
20. That's still a kid. I, I still feel, I still feel like I'm 18. So. Yeah. I don't remember it really well, but yeah, yeah it's been a while. My parents let me watch Cinemax by myself at far too young an age. I, um, so, but okay. So it's to become essential to our customers by providing differentiated products and services to help them achieve their aspirations. Sounds like a consultancy. It could be anything, right? But yeah, it's American Express, and my Wait, fiance so, is so in finance, and I've had lots of friends in finance. And they, when they talk Boogie about Nights. product development, they're talking about a financial <laughs> instrument that's a product, and that's a <laughs> term that makes sense to the person no, who no, wants to manage your money. No, I wasn't saying that because of money, age. I was but as a customer, those aren't like the words that I would use. Like and so I know that you said is that these aren't specifically for customers. But I also feel like this is an example <laughs> of jargon that is cool. maybe All clouds right. what they actually mean. I feel like this could have used another two or three whys. Uh, I'd have to look that up. Right. Um, it really could. I know Discover is what's in your wallet, but okay, excuse the typing. Don't leave home without it. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah, I guess really what I'm pointing to is I think it's important for a company to use the vocabulary of their customers. Okay, wait. Right? But not have a, like a secret jargon okay, language so let's, that let's is different from the way that their customers things with that. And, and I what agree is with American you, Express right? This is as a mission slogan. statement. It, it's not really there for the customers. It's predominantly there for the employees. So. Right. So as an Amex user... <laughs> that does resonate with me, you know, don't leave home without my American Express. Oh, card. definitely not. That vision as a customer, I don't know that I care that much about that vision. Like, I don't know that it's important. To so me. now, that now let's get down important. to what the difference between a vision and a mission is from the, the source of truth. Yeah. Yeah. So and so I would think if they I didn't a, have a slogan that would resonate with vision with their mission, then and I yes, need OKRs I think be a total miss. and potentially the goals, same time, like, that's pretty overwhelming. It, Do you have a uh, order of magnitude or any advice when it comes to companies trying no. to sort this so, out? So, I mean, I, I hear you. I think it brings up interesting perspectives. So in my mind, basically vision tells you where you're going to go and a mission is really telling you how are you going to get there. Again, I have like so many built up simplistic things in my mind to, uh, to just help me personally navigate through complex territory. And so that's, that's how I break it out. Mm -hmm. uh so yes i think that 
the size of the company and the intent of the company, really the vision of the company, I think dictates the rest of those things. Uh, so for example, there's a client that I'm working with now. They are a multi, multi-billion dollar company, like in the, I think hundreds, maybe definitely tens for sure. And if I were to say the name of the company, chances are you've never heard of them. If I said the name of the company, you know, you air your podcast, I say that company name, chances are the majority of your audience will have no idea who that company is because their customer are essentially other companies. And so they don't really have that same type of need that a Nike would have or a Home Depot, like, you know, some of the retail companies, or even if it's not retail, American Express, you know, like they don't have that same type of need because their customer base is different. So I think depending on who your customer base is, who your audience is, that dictates which of those things that you really need um, or how you position them. But I think it always still starts with a vision regardless. I think that the slogans are good if your customer base lends itself to where that's the inappropriate thing to do. Um, if it does not, I don't think the time needs to be spent or money on coming up with one. By the way, if a company doesn't come up with one, whoever their customers are, they're going to come up with one anyway, based off of their reputation. So uh, that will be the case. And as far as mottos, yeah, I think mottos are good. I think those things are good. I think they help with company culture. Um, so I think that is high on the list, but not top of the list, you know, by, by any stretch, but I think it's up there. And largely that's what a lot of this mm-hmm. is going mm-hmm. towards is what type of culture are you trying to build in your company? OKRs, I think it's a tool. I think if it's the right tool for that environment, then by all means, you know, use that tool. I think if that tool is not one that's going to work in that environment for whatever reason, then don't force it, choose something else. And they could just not be at that point. And then, you know, who knows, uh, six years from now, 10 years from now, whatever the case, you know, it'll be something else that is the thing to do and the thing to use. But yeah, I think size of the company, I think all those things affect how many of those things are necessary to do. So I've also now, found to say that, that like startups, especially, they don't want to create a vision statement at that point because they're still testing all out the market and figuring out in what a micro size fit is. And, and if it changes it is a larger or based on the then, and they have a larger customer base. I don't but think I think that once you, you do, do those find things, that product you're going market to fit, suffer some really of the things that we've talked about before. People don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They don't know what goals or objectives that it's contributing to. Redefine who they are before they hire all those new people to do the work. The type of business that they're actually part of and that they're go off the rails. They right? sure um, enough would not be able to you know, help. What got you here is what, what's going to get you there. And that's always the assumption the market that people that make is that, you know, we were able to get pursuing. here. So we're so going to all those get things there. Go into and it takes a shift. Well. So.
So I would actually push back on that a little bit, not the last part, but just the beginning of that in terms of startups that don't want to create a vision. I think they would have created one. They would have created one whether they said it or not, because if their vision is we need capitalization and that's what we're doing, we're yeah. doing this to get investors. Yeah. That's your vision. That like That's the reason you're doing. When we start asking the five whys, it's all going to go back to that same thing. You're trying to get capitalization, period. Now, once they get that, it is similar to a company yeah. that's been acquired. So once that takes place, that vision is now having to be reevaluated. Is it the right vision to take the company forward from where it is? And I believe that is Have part of seen where, where the you were just speaking actually, of, the where written they vision doesn't actually match why they're doing the what they're doing, is. because now they have this big insertion of funding and they're at a crossroads and they don't necessarily yeah. know they're at a crossroads because they were just so Same focused season. on getting the funding that now that they have it, <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, that wait, to me is what are we, really toxic. What are we doing again? <laughs> yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Usually yeah, so the I think even, vision you know, similar to what, you know, what I mentioned about what the real vision is. Yeah. Slogans. I do want to touch on, you mentioned B2B business. They're doing what they're doing for some think exactly how to kind of summarize it. Whatever that reason is, it shows. It just may not have written it down. They may not have communicated it well. Everyone I think I'm usually pretty it, positive about but my there last is company. one that, that exists. Criticize it just may not exist this, for everyone. That there's a ton to, one of the things that I, I used to joke about is they were a B2B as well, and they're like Fortune 400. And I'm like, we're the Fortune 500 yes. company you've never heard of. Can't name it because they were B2B, but, and it seemed the, like that's really what yes. they focused on. But, but one of the things yes. that I found <laughs> when networking or going to present or right. sales pitches or anything is people didn't know who we were. It's like businesses are made of people. And so like at some point you have to kind of get it to a human being to know who you are. And it didn't help. There were several companies that had similar names as well, but nobody almost mm -hmm. never did anyone ask if it was my company. It was almost always a competitor with a similar name that they asked like, oh, are you at Insight Global or was the number one? But there's a few other Insight companies out there. And so I don't know. I always felt like it was really important for people outside of like the business world to know who you are as well right. by name. And that may vary a little bit, but like I think the what is it, the big four? I think most people probably know those names. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So I think that occurs across the board. And what I mean by that is if you are in the technology space, there are certain companies that everyone in that space is going to know. If you're in a consulting space, there are certain companies everyone in that space is going to know. There are logistics companies out there that some folks in retail athletic wear like have no idea about, you know, or, or whatever the case. Do they need to know about them? I mean, they're not in their space, so you know, maybe not. 
So I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing if the general yeah, I that's fair. As industry I reflect doesn't on it a little bit more because I've mostly worked at Fortune 500 companies market and you one know, of I mean, the first big ones on is the Meyer grocery the medical store. Arena Do either of you know I'm very of Meyer groceries? I've had healthcare clients, but there are I mean, very I've specific heard of it, things but it's, that you know, it's definitely regional. And their yeah. peers and, and so, so I think it's easier in my head to, to map it to that because they're a Midwestern not, company. You know, that, and they're a Fortune 500 and they're very prevalent. They're from Michigan. So if you live in Michigan, but in the Midwest, you definitely know them, but they don't get quite... As no, far south as you know, Georia, not really. You know, but Georgia I don't. I don't think that's a bad thing. As I don't think they're missing New York. Missing anything? So yeah, I guess I'm. I'm you're proving me wrong. <laughs> you know, I don't think anything's. Wrong, well, guys, I think we're know, in a good se, spot. I've enjoyed this conversation. Do you have anything you want to close with? Are you are you speaking at any events soon? Are you teaching any classes? Or what are you excited for, Quincy? No, I don't. Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> cool. Me too. Uh, so I do not have any more speaking engagements coming up. I did my last one at Scrum Day. Uh, I think it was earlier this no last month, uh, which was really good by the way in Madison, Wisconsin. I really enjoyed that. So I don't have any more speaking engagements coming up right now. I do have some more podcasts coming up? Where I'll be the guest on some other podcasts, but just always excited about learning different ways to be effective and constantly maneuvering myself into scenarios where I can help. Yeah. I, I was out of work like, for quite a bit last year and I, I filled a, a lot of my time I'm kind with, of a uh, natural agile abundance right? minded lean type individual. Meaning I don't think there's a shortage wasn't of in the game, out but I needed my really head to be connected to a game. And so and that's the more I, I can help someone else achieve the, the things that they want to achieve, the, uh, the better. The like it's not taking away there, from so. anything I'm doing. It's not taking away from someone else. It's not like there's just so much to go around with everything. There are many opportunities. I know a lot of people have gotten you know laid off and I know a lot of that stuff has been happening. But I also think that you know, as long as we're given the opportunity to be yeah. creative. And I do want to say, if you have an opportunity to see Quincy there. present like how, or how if someone be? that can request presentations, I definitely enjoyed your presentation when I saw you at Agile International Conference in Miami. Mm -hmm. The topic was very good. You were very patient and it was very, I'd say, collaborative. But you infuse audio right. into your presentation. I've never seen anyone else do that. Even yeah. your intro coming out to kind of like a theme song well, hats off to like you. immediately you had my that. attention. It's but an important throughout principle, it, there's and it's noises and, that you did and you kind of added put one uh, in the right another sensory depth right to your presentations that I And it helps them new. to be ready when that opportunity presents itself. We've all been there, you know, at some point. So, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's exactly fair. what Brad said when he came <laughs> back, you know? Um, yeah. And then your company has a podcast. Are you a part of that? Mm -hmm.
I appreciate that. Yeah, you don't hear a lot of people sample uh, Slim Shady at uh, at Dalco. Right? <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, and we'll, cool. you know we'll make sure we hold a space I am. in the so, top yeah, five. I'll get on there we'll periodically. Keep the seat warm for you. <laughs> lately, but the Agile Coaches oh. Corner um, is the podcast. Uh, it's it's actually one of the so top if you want to check out the podcast, out where do they find like, it? I think almost like three years running, um, like in the top ten, I believe, top ten, something like that. So yes, and that is hosted by Agile Thought. The specific host that is normally on there is Dan Newman. Um, has always done an excellent job. It was really his brainchild to begin with before I ever got to Agile Thought. But from you know my understanding, that was the case. So, but yes, we we do have that podcast, and we'll be happy to have you both on there. Yeah, one day if you choose, if you want to, we can figure out a good topic and make that happen. <laughs> ah, we appreciate that. We appreciate. And that. if someone yeah. wants to reach out to you. What is the best way to do that? Uh, so you can go to, well, one, if you go to Agile Coaches Corner on Spotify and you know any of those places, you can find it pretty easily. It always comes up towards the top. But you can also find some of the previous recordings on agilethought.com. Just go to agilethought.com and then go to, I believe it's uh, the drop down is like online services or you know something to that effect. And then you'll see different webinars, different podcasts. It actually gives you the choice <laughs> where you can choose like which one of those things that you're looking for. So there's more than just podcasts out there, too. There are some other collateral out there that people can take advantage of. Awesome. Uh, Thank so you, the Quincy. best way this to do that great. would been be a, a minute in the cooker in. to get you on here. Uh, but uh, Quincy it's been Jordan. a lot of fun and I'm glad we could follow and up and hopefully Quincy we Jordan can uh, stay in touch in the future. works at Agile Thought. And I say that because the first Quincy Jordan that used to come up, not sure if this still occurs now, but yeah, definitely yeah. search definitely. in it's LinkedIn awesome. for Quincy Jordan. The first person that used to come up Thank you. was a young white lady. And that's not me. So, yes, her first name is Quincy. And that's when I really found out that, oh, okay, some people named their daughter Quincy. I didn't know that. And, and so, if someone wants to reach uh, out to you. But yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, under Quincy Jordan, Agile Thought. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for um, having me. And we are further proof that attending conferences actually has a benefit to it because that's where we met. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Podcast, it actually gives you the choice <laughs> where you can choose like which one of those things that you're looking for. So there's more than just podcasts out there, too. There are some other collateral out there that people can take advantage of. Awesome. Well, thank uh, so you, the Quincy. best way this to do that great. would been be a, a minute in the cooker to get you on here, uh, but uh, Quincy it's been Jordan. a lot of fun and I'm glad we could follow and up and hopefully Quincy we Jordan can uh, stay in touch in the future. works at Agile Thought. And I say that because the first Quincy Jordan that used to come up, not sure if this still occurs now, but yeah, definitely search definitely. in LinkedIn awesome. for Quincy Jordan, the first person that used to come up thank you. was a young white lady. And that's not me. So, 
And then it, your company has yeah, a podcast. Yes, so her first name is Are Quincy. Are you a part of that? And that's when I really found out that, oh, okay, some people name their daughters Quincy. I didn't know that. And so, uh, but yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, under Quincy Jordan, Agile Thought. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for um, having me. And we are further proof that attending conferences actually has a benefit to it because that's where we met. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. One day, if you choose, if you well, want to, cool. we can figure out a good topic and make that happen. And, we'll, cool. you know, we'll make sure we hold a space in the top five. We'll keep a seat warm for you. <laughs> uh, we we'll appreciate that. We we'll appreciate that. Yeah. So if you want to check out the podcast, where do they find it? Uh, so you can go to, well, one, if you go to Agile Coaches Corner on Spotify and you know any of those places, you can find it pretty easily. It always comes up towards the top. But you can also find some of the previous recordings on agilethought.com. Just go to agilethought.com and then go to, I believe it's uh, the drop down is like online services or you know something to that effect. And then you'll see different webinars, different podcasts. It actually gives you the choice where you can choose like which one of those things that you're looking for. So there's more than just podcasts out there too. There are some other collateral out there that people can take advantage of. And if someone wants to reach out to you, what is the best way to do that? Uh, so the best way to do that would be, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Quincy Jordan and the Quincy Jordan that currently works at Agile Thought. And I say that because the first Quincy Jordan that used to come up, not sure if this still occurs now, but if you search in LinkedIn for Quincy Jordan, the first person that used to come up was a young white lady. And that's not me. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so her first name is Quincy. And that's when I really found out that, oh, okay, some people name their daughters Quincy. I didn't know that. And so, uh, but yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, under Quincy Jordan, Agile Thought. Awesome. Well, thank you, Quincy. This has been great. Been a, a minute in the cooker to get you on here, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun and I'm glad we could follow up and hopefully we can uh, stay in touch in the future. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for um, having me. And we are further proof that attending conferences actually has a benefit to it because that's where we met. Yeah. Definitely. That's definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Podcast, it actually gives you the choice where you can choose like which one of those things that you're looking for. So there's more than just podcasts out there, too. There are some other collateral out there that people can take advantage of. And if someone wants to reach out to you, what is the best way to do that? Uh, so the best way to do that would be you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Quincy Jordan. And the Quincy Jordan that currently works at Agile Thought. And I say that because the first Quincy Jordan that used to come up, not sure if this still occurs now, but if you search in LinkedIn for Quincy Jordan, the first person that used to come up was a young white lady. And that's not me. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so her first name is Quincy. And that was when I really found out that, oh, okay, some people named their daughters Quincy. I didn't know that. And so, uh, but yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, under Quincy Jordan, Agile Thought. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Quincy. This has been great. Been a, a minute in the cooker to get you on here, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun and I'm glad we could follow up and hopefully we can uh, stay in touch in the future. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for um, having me. And we are further proof that attending conferences actually has a benefit to it because that's where we met. Yeah. Definitely. That's definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you.